Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, Miss Keegan. Hello. How are you doing today? Oh, I already told you I'm just exhausted for some reason. Me too. I'm so tired. I'm really so tired. And I slept well last night, but it's just, this was one of those days where it was like hit the ground running and then don't stop and like I spent my work lunch hour in therapy so it was just like (laughs) there wasn't there were no breaks there were no breaks today I know I've actually like I think I'm so used to having time on my hands and last night I went to bed and I was like oh my gosh I'm actually gonna have like a busy day tomorrow and I think today is probably the busiest day that I've had in a while and I I definitely have been sleeping better, but I think the animal in our walls is still has affected mm-hmm, our sleep you enough. It's not bugging us anymore. We think it's gone, but finally we're going to have an exterminator come. But I think that it just fucked up our sleep enough nights that both Max and I are just like zombies today. We're just kind of like, ooh. Yeah, but, man. I hear And it's ya. gloomy. It's gloomy out today. I don't yes. like it. It is. It's very, it was very hot last weekend. I actually went down to the pool last weekend. Same. But this week, it's just been very moderate weather, which is fine, but it's not been sunny at all. It's been very like overcast. And yeah, I'm just tired and ready for the weekend. I'm so ready for the weekend. I'm really ready for May 8th, the day that I will be fully vaccinated and I can just go out into the world maskless and... Hug oh, well. my friends. <laughs> they well, do not, say to not keep wearing fully, a mask, but well, I know that. But I mean, like when I say that, like I can't. I don't even think I can step outside my door right now because literally no one in our building has ever worn a mask. So Ooh. I put. I don't even step outside my door without a mask on. So for me to be able to just like, even if I could just have it on me and walk the dogs outside and not feel like I have to have it on all the time just in case somebody comes around the corner. That feels nice to me. Yes, I hear you. I am fully vaccinated as of today. And I am so excited. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. I'm like the amount of relief I feel about, you know, it just being done and over with. I mean, eventually probably we'll all have to get booster shots. But as of right now, we are in a good spot, and I'm yep. just super happy and relieved about it. I will it. take all the shots in the world if it means that I don't have to go back into quarantine. However, do you know the Netflix show The Circle? Yes, I'm, we discussed it briefly. Okay, I'm highly considering. I already like started my registration. I'm highly considering applying to be on that show. I think I would win. Do it. I want to. 
So I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I never want to be forced into quarantine again, but I would go back into quarantine if it meant I could win $100,000 in the circle. Well, and there's an end date. I yes. feel like that's the thing that got us all with the core is like there was no real end date. It was like, and oh, it's was, only going to be two weeks. It's going to be two months. You and know? it was and then scary you're like, the whole time. It was like people are dying and things are like it was there was nothing like relaxing about it either where I'm kind of like. You know, if I could be without any electronics for like a month and a half and just talk to people online, I'm like, I think I could do that. I would yeah, go a little a crazy, a but that's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah. You know, they're going to have a much harder time moving forward because it's like that 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 factor of isolation is not going to hit as hard since people have spent time in quarantine. For It'll real, be interesting to see. I feel like that was kind of the accident of how it got popular the first season because it came out like around the time of quarantine where so when I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, they're stuck inside too. It was kind of like a funny thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like that's the only time I've ever watched a reality show where I was like, I could be on that and I could do really well and I want to mm-hmm. win some money. So girl, go for it. I support it. Look for me season three of The Circle, everybody. I fully support it. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Okay. So let's get into it. We know, of course, that the biggest news this week is the uh, Derek Chauvin verdict. We are not going to be talking about that on this mini episode because we will be devoting our full length to talking about the trial, the verdict, George Floyd, uh, etc. So uh, please look out for that and yes. tune in for the full length episode. Uh, if you wanted to hear our thoughts on it, or if you're disappointed that it's not here in the mini episode. Um, but instead, we are going to touch briefly, I really don't want to spend a lot of time on this just because I can't emotionally like this becomes just very difficult and heavy for me. We've had this conversation many times. Um, however, I feel like we would be remiss not to at least bring it up. And that is while the entire world was rejoicing uh, about the guilty Derek Chauvin verdict, uh, there was another shooting of a black teenager in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, sh- her name was Makia Bryant. And, um, you know, it just really underscored a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about in the full length episode in that what happened is what needed to happen. Derek Chauvin needed to be found guilty because he bold faced murdered a man in broad daylight in front of everybody's eyes. That's what needed to happen. That was, um, we held him accountable for his actions, but it in no way should give us any kind of, permission to feel like we can kick back now or like things are okay now and we can just move on um, because these things are going to continue to happen unless there is widespread police reform like that's it because listen I for reasons we've discussed many times did not watch the body camera video that was released on Wednesday showing the officer's point of view um, when he pulled his weapon on Makia. I did not watch that video. I have heard that, you know, she may have had a weapon, right? And I understand that that is a scary situation for everybody involved in that situation. However, police officers should be held accountable 
They should be made to feel as though their first priority is de-escalating any situation that they come in into. And from what I've seen, from what I've read, that was not the case here. Uh, in fact, the officer did not even announce um, or give warning or instructions. No, it was incredibly fast. It was so much like the Adam Toledo video that we saw last week. Uh, it was very, very fast. And I do want to say before we talk more about it, because I think that a lot of trolls on the internet and a lot of other people have been bringing up the fact that she may or may not have had some sort of weapon on her. From what I understand of the situation, it sounds like so it sounds like she was living in a foster home. Mm -hmm. And it didn't specify whether she was part of this. But I from what I understood, it sounded like other girls were fighting. So I don't know if she was because I heard that she was the one that called the cops. So I well, don't know about how she may have ended up with a weapon in her hand, but I'm also considering the fact that this is a 16-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to put... I If I put myself in the position where I am in a physical altercation with other people before the cops even got there, grabbing something to defend myself would maybe make sense. The fact that she was holding a weapon doesn't mean that you should use deadly force on her. And something that I think was spoken about a lot during Derek Chauvin's trial was using the same amount of force that is being given to you. Mm -hmm. So to me, seeing a 16-year-old child with some sort of alleged knife, we don't know exactly all the details of everything mm -hmm. yet, that, to me, does not constitute you pulling your gun out. I, I'm not a cop. I haven't been through any of that training. But I feel like I've also, like, seen enough, I don't know, action movies or things where I feel like there's got to be a way. There has to be a way. I know there is a way to get a knife out of someone's hand to de-escalate a fight without it right. having to end in death. Especially, this is a 16-year-old girl. You cannot give me this excuse of being scared or anything else. And it happened so fast. Well, and it I was think the, so callous. I think the officer would probably say that he was acting in defense of somebody else's life, that it wasn't himself who was in danger, that it was the other person involved in this altercation. Because at the moment, all we know is that the person who called 911 was um, a girl or a female voice. And that's that's what we know. So okay. we don't know for sure whether or not she was the caller. Well, However, and that's the other thing is that this just happened. And I'm amazed that we even got body camera footage as fast mm -hmm. as we did. I mean, uh -huh. that's unprecedented. So that's the other thing that I think we do need to remember is that we don't have all the information yet about all of those details. And I think it's really easy for people to want to make really negative assumptions mm -hmm. to be able to like justify her death. And that's really ugly. Well, that's exactly it. Listen, like, I understand that there are going to be situations in which difficult calls need to be made in in these situations. However, more often than not, we're, we are far less willing to give police any kind of benefit of the doubt in these situations because far too often we have watched you on camera we have watched your first response, your first reaction, your first instinct be to shoot. Yeah. And to show up 
where there is a physical altercation going on between two young women or a couple young women. I don't know how many there were. um, To not announce that you are you have your weapon drawn that you're con- that you are considering shooting to not say um lower your weapon drop right. the knife yeah. any of those things to not utilize any of these de-escalation tactics well, that i right. feel like should be put in place and also if you were on your way to a call you know what the call is he's aware of what he's walking into so to me, if I was in that situation, I would hope that he would be mentally preparing himself to go into that situation, not with the intent of having to use deadly force, but thinking about a way to de-escalate the situation rather than immediately going guns blazing literally into a situation. Because it's not like he's he doesn't know what the call is for and he's surprised by it being a physical altercation. He knows what he's getting himself into, so he should be preparing for that. Right. I just feel like the situation could have been avoided. And again, I have not watched the footage. So there is that aspect of it. Um, yeah. But again, but, you don't have to. But I, I have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's it was very it was very short. It was very similar to the Adam Toledo video where there was no yeah opportunity for her or anyone else to do anything because just as soon as it started, it was over. Yeah, I I just I don't see that. I, I feel like it's so also adverse to the idea that we have of police in our media and in this country where we and people on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, all these people are going to go out of their way, bend over backwards to try and say that our police are courageous members of society doing a very difficult job. And while I don't doubt that there are aspects of policing that in, in, in which difficult decisions need to be made, I, I don't doubt that that is the case some of the time. Um, to act as though every single police officer existing, roaming the streets, especially knowing what we know about their training or lack thereof, uh-huh. um, to act as though they are all these courageous selfless well and you know what there is a a lot of caring and selfless people out there that do a lot of different types of jobs there are a lot of jobs out there where you have life in your hands and i think that police officers need to be held up to the same accountability standard as say Mm -hmm. a doctor or a surgeon or anyone else because yes while a police officer is there is supposed to be there to put to be put in those dangerous situations in order to keep, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, to keep peace in the society. Clearly, that's not happening. So then if they're not doing their job correctly, they shouldn't be doing it. Just like a doctor shouldn't be doing their job if they're killing patients. You know what I well, mean? To me, yeah. it's, it's not like they're the only courageous people. And I just have, you know, another thing. They chose this job. They chose to do this. And yes, while we can thank them and admire their courage, it's still something that they've chosen to do. So for they some should, of them. For some of them. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's something you choose to do. I wouldn't want someone who doesn't want to be a cop to be thrown in there and given that kind of power. But, you know. Well, I don't want half the people who choose to take that kind of power to have that kind of power. Because I feel that's like a it, great point. it draws a lot of people who want to abuse their power. And unfortunately, I mean, we can act like cops are these heroes because we've just been watching Law and Order all our lives. Right. Which, look, I-, I love me some Olivia Benson. However... 
the the truth of the matter is I've seen one, two, three, four, too many videos uh-huh. of police entering into a situation, standing 10 feet away from a 13-year-old, 16-year-old, 12-year-old child and shoot them without warning. That, yeah. There's no courage in that. None. I, it doesn't... You didn't even try to de-escalate the situation. Exactly. I'm absolutely certain in this case that this cop is going to say that he acted in the best interest of another person's life, that he was trying to keep somebody else safe. But the truth of the matter is you should have some kind of troubleshooting, problem-solving <laughs> something yeah. going through your brain um, and you should not be taught or trained to, to have that shoot be your first, first response, yeah. And ask questions later. Like, a 16-year-old lost her life. It's a tragedy no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do want to just give some resources really quickly on ways to demand police accountability for Makia Bryant. Uh, I will uh, send these to Madigan to put in the show notes for this episode. But you can call the interim police chief, Michael Woods, Um his office number is 614-645-4720, and the office hours are 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can call the Columbus City Council. Their contact info um, is 614-654-7380. You can also call Mayor Andrew Ginther, demanding police accountability, at 614 645 Seven six seven one, or you can email at three one one at columbus dot gov. Uh, so again, I will make sure that those are in the show notes. But I just wanted to go ahead and put those out there because no matter what happened here, we have to be holding our police to a higher standard, and we have to be holding them accountable for right. for things like this happening. Yep. Oh, yeah, and okay. if anything, that juxtaposition between the extreme happiness and the extreme feeling of here yes. we go again yeah, yeah. should be yeah. a wake-up call for enough of us to realize that we are clearly not done. Yeah. Um, so I know there was Far something else it. that you wanted to chat about. What is that? Uh, okay, so there was just a report put out, um, and this is from CNN, that says U.S. Capitol Police, uh, U.S. Capitol Police officer allegedly told units to only monitor for anti-Trump protesters on January 6th. <laughs> oh, so, no. Yes. A U.S. Capitol Police officer directed all outside units on the morning of January 6th to only monitor for anti-Trump agitators who, quote, want to start a fight, not any pro-Trump in the crowd. So uh, these are findings from a newly revealed internal investigation. So Representative Zoe Lofgren described the radio broadcast, the existence of which was previously unknown, to a House Administrative Committee uh, on security failures around the January 6th attack. In the transmission, you can hear an officer say, quote, attention all units on the field. We're not looking for any pro-Trump in the crowd. We're only looking for any anti-Trump who want to start a fight. So they uh, deny... That's fishy they, as fuck to me. Right. I mean, and the Capitol Police are saying that it has been misquoted and taken out of context. They they put out a statement saying, quote, the radio call does not mean USCP was only looking out for anti-Trump counter protesters. The next radio transmission requests that officers 
Be on the lookout for pro-Trump protesters carrying uh, a pro-Trump protester carrying a possible weapon. However, a, a Trump one protester. singular specific. Yeah. And they also did not provide a transcript of the subsequent broadcast. So we don't have proof that that's yeah, something that happened. That to me doesn't satisfy. That doesn't satisfy me. <laughs> that response at all because to to be so specific in the first one to me means right. that they meant to be so specific because then why would you just go off listing the different types of protesters that were there because there was probably a lot you know what i mean like yeah most of them are considered to be pro trump but you know there are all these little offshoot sections to be so specific about saying no we're only looking for anti trump protesters it's pretty clear yeah. that that's mm -hmm. what you meant and that alone. <laughs> right, right. Where did that come from? And, you know, Lofgren also said and has pointed out many times that there was a lot of available intelligence at the time that gave USCP, um, you know, the Capitol Police officers, ample reason to expect violence from pro-Trump protesters. Well, yes, like, that's lots what... Of things online. That was what everybody was kind of gearing up toward. I really don't remember them thinking that the left were the ones that were going to come and start a problem. Exactly. That was and never the issue. <laughs> I just want to keep track of when this stuff starts to come out because... Uh -huh. You know, there have been six U.S. Capitol Police officers that have been suspended with pay for their actions on January 6th, mm. uh, including having taken selfies with some of the insurrectionists. Yeah. And there were 36 officers under investigation from January 6th. 23 of those, case those cases are complete, but 13 of those cases remain under investigation. Wow. So it's, it's widespread. It's huge. And yeah. that is terrifying. You know, gosh, more scary cop shit. Stop it. Knock it off. Ugh, everywhere. I or know. else I'm literally just going to start calling you pigs again. No, oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of do anyways, but. <sighs> <sighs> the Emmy nominated HBO original series, A Black Lady Sketch Show, is back. Don't miss an all new season of your favorite characters on the hilarious sketch comedy series featuring creator Robin Thede, Ashley Nicole Black, Gabrielle Dennis, Lacey Mosley, Sky Townsend, and tons of celebrity guests. And to get you ready, we are giving away Eden Bodyworks gift cards to celebrate the premiere. Head to our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist to learn how you can be entered to win. A Black Lady Sketch Show returns tonight at 11 p.m. on HBO and streaming on HBO Max. All right, so I wanted to bring this up because, Keegan, you had texted me asking a bit about my opinion on this. And so let's talk about Demi Lovato's beef with a frozen yogurt store in Los Angeles. So let's do it. Let's do it. So the store that she went to this past weekend was called The Big Chill, Big with Two G's. It's in Los Angeles. I actually just looked at the website before we, we recorded to kind of look at some Not of their gonna lie, it looks delicious. It, it does. Looks I, I looked at their Instagram and I was like, that looks really did, good. Did you see the pies? <laughs> I didn't. But I was like, mm. that's like no pie I've ever seen. And I would love one of those pies. They look fantastic. And before I go any further, because frozen yogurt is something that actually was discussed a lot when I was in treatment because mm -hmm. especially when, when I was in day treatment, we had to go out and get our own snacks and come back and kind of like report what we did. There was a lot of talk about 
you know, what should be used as far as meal plans go with frozen yogurt. And we talked a lot about kind of the culture behind it too, because Mm -hmm. frozen yogurt started as being kind of this diet fad. It was ice cream, but it wasn't ice cream and you could put your fruit in it and that kind of stuff. So with that in mind, I don't typically go to my frozen yogurt places with the same headspace as I would be maybe going into a Cold Stone. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit of a different vibe, right? Demi Moore does... uh, Demi Moore, wow. Demi Lovato does address that, you know, that for a lot of people who are in recovery... Frozen yogurt in general is triggering or can be triggering. It's just one of those things that I feel like I feel like you can say triggering or you could just say questionable. Like I feel like it's one of those things like as someone who had been in recovery, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to have that be like my snack on my meal plan that I was adding chocolate sauce and, you know, enough stuff on it that it was going to be enough to fulfill that meal plan and things like that. So I understand her thought process. Mm -hmm. But so here's the thing. So she got on Instagram and she made a post on her story about having to walk past tons of sugar-free cookies and other diet foods before getting to the counter to make the order. Um, And Big Chill did respond pretty much right away. And I do have, I think that they had a good response, but I do have an issue with one of the words that they used and I wanted to point it out. So their response to her post was, Uh, saying that they offer these foods for people with diabetes, celiac disease, and for vegans, as well as other more, quote-unquote, indulgent items. Now, I don't like that word. I don't think that you should be classifying one thing as indulgent and one thing as another. I think that vocabulary that we use is the most important thing. And so here's the thing. Being someone who's gone through the recovery process, I was told all the time, the world is not going to change for you just because you're in recovery. These are things that you're going to have to deal with every single day. And while I think it's important to point out things that are wrong about diet culture, I also think that there is a bigger picture message that she could be talking about rather than just pinpointing one store or one chain's um, I, I will product. say... Yeah, I mean, I was ready to defend her when I first saw it pop up on my, you know, Facebook feed as a news article. But when I read it, first of all, I don't like that she specifically went after this one shop that apparently she's been a patron of for a long time. So she's been giving them business for a long time. But for her to out them by name as somebody who has 100 million Instagram followers... I didn't think was necessary. I feel like you could combat the bigger issue of diet culture, diet foods, and specifically even if you wanted to talk about frozen yogurt, frozen yogurt specifically without needing to call out this specific business. Yeah. You could have gone, you could have done that, you know, had the conversation that you needed to have and then gone to this business privately and said, you know, maybe this is something you should consider. Exactly. I'm Demi Lovato. Maybe this is something that you should consider. And I bet you that would have been far more effective than well, what she actually right. did. Yeah, and she did end up direct messaging with the company on Instagram. And she started talking about maybe having them relabel their things and stuff like that. Which, yes, it's that's great. But again, this is one company. And we're talking about 
saying she's talking about labeling things like for people with celiac disease, for right. people with Which diabetes, and that's, I do not like. And it's very ableist sounding to me. It's ableist sounding, and also like just thinking of it from like an advertisement mind. Like it's not sexy though. That isn't going to make people want to buy it. That's not and like sugar free isn't really either. But I think that this is just like she's thinking too narrowly when I feel like this is a broader conversation. And she did this. Of course. Yeah. You don't know what people's dietary needs are. And so labeling something celiac might not actually, somebody else who maybe has GERD or some other kind of like, like, will not necessarily know, okay, so what's in this product? Can I have it or not? Exactly. And so I feel like you need to just say what is or isn't in something. And I understand that that can be triggering for her, but I feel like that's a very narrow way to look at it because it is excluding other people who have other problems. And this is how I feel about using the word, you know, trigger and triggering in general, because it's real. Like, that's a word that I've been using since it's been before it's been used on social media. So while that's a thing, I think that people also need to take accountability, talking about accountability, but with themselves, especially if you're somebody that is in recovery for something, while it is so great to be an advocate and to point out the things that you want to see changed in the world, Mm -hmm. like I said in the beginning, you also have to realize that the world isn't going to change just because of your situation. And I know that that's what makes life so difficult, but those are the things then to bring up with your therapist, things to bring up with your dietitian, things that maybe you need to work through, why that's triggering you, not just focusing on the fact that it's triggering and then going after the thing that's triggering you and saying it's their fault. Sometimes you do have to kind of turn things back into yourself and realize why that's triggering you. Why am I feeling this way in the frozen yogurt store? Well, Demi, probably because, you know, I just watched her documentary series. She talks Mm -hmm. about the fact that she really never was able to work on her recovery with her eating disorder because it sounds like her old team was still being very restrictive with her diet. So I have so much grace for her and I totally, I totally, totally understand why she did what she did and I understand her intention so I'm not here to say fuck you Demi Lovato I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff but I understand her thinking so well and I hope that for her and for other people it can be a bouncing point for other conversations about how we label food because I think in general that's just a really important thing even talking about how they labeled you know, sugar-free and indulgent items. Mm -hmm. To me, that's Mm -hmm. the problem, you know. Absolutely. She did make a point uh, where she made a post about something that Big Chill had posted in the past, and it was a big bucket of food items that they had labeled guilt-free. Guilt-free, yes. In that that respect, I completely understand what she's saying. Like, I don't think that we should label foods to be indulgent. I don't think we should label foods to be guilt-free. Yeah. Like, food is food, right? You know, and I I don't think that we should be labeling things in that way. So when it it comes to that, I understand. The, The thing with Demi Lovato is, and we've had this conversation privately, but like, my issue with Demi Lovato is that so often a good message gets lost in really bad wording. Like she, yeah. she just, she and doesn't I, know how to relay her message in uh-huh. a way that makes sense because she's so impulsive. I feel like she just, she gets upset about something. She posts about it right away without really thinking it through. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you know? we're, because she has 10 million followers and she really is just, 
a girl my age who's going through recovery. And I think that having both of those things at the same time is going to mean that she's going to mess up. Because if I were to post something like that, it's only going to reach so many people. If she posts like something like that, it's going to reach so many more. So I think that she but, is yeah. kind of like, and I'm not excusing it, but I, I just, mm-hmm. I see it kind of for what it is. Like she's making the mistakes trying to do the right thing, having it not work. I really hope that as she is growing healthier, uh, she learns more about that and kind of understands a bit more about how to get her message across. Because, yeah, I think right now she's thinking a lot with her feelings, and that's fine, and I understand it. But I think that she does hopefully have some room for growth in realizing that her platform – has a lot more weight to it than she may yes. realize, especially when I hope that she's learned not to go go after specific companies like this, especially when, like, if there's other companies that you would want to go after, there's plenty of them. Like, I, for one, have a huge vendetta against places that put calories on their menus. There's millions sure. of them. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right, right. Talk about the issue as a whole. You know, that's more important than yes. addressing a specific um, business, but I mean, even and talking about that, how it triggers her, talking about her experience. Exactly, I think exactly that's exactly because that's important. Again, I feel like she also when she released on her Instagram, I think it's still up there, her video of her kind of semi apologizing for the situation. She again, she focused a little bit on her own story, but she also went back time and time again to what they should be doing differently. Yeah, um, she she's really driving home that she wants to be working with the company to help them make changes for their products, which I'm like, again, that's great, but this is one company and it kind of looks like, oh, I really made a big mistake, so now I'm going to buddy-buddy up with these people to try to clean up the mess right, I and made. Be- before you make statements like that, because that is when she said, you need to label it diabetic or you need to label yeah, it celiac. Yeah, yeah. Before you go and make statements like that, really think it through if that's the thing uh, that you want to send it to your publicist. You Where's her you know, publicist right now? I get it that like she speaks from the heart and that's part of why people <laughs> like her. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. Like people like her because she speaks her mind and, you know, she speaks whatever is is on her mind. And like I, I understand that. And I have a lot of hope for Demi Lovato. And yeah. I un- again, I, I have understand. a lot of respect for her and yes. I have a lot of respect for her story and for her past. I'm not personally, I'm not like a big fan of hers. I think she has a beautiful voice, but I've never been like a real. I'm not a stan. Yeah. No. What's funny. So I actually I went to a Demi Lovato concert when I was. How old was I? I was probably 16 or 17. And guess who opened for her? Oh, God, who was it? David Archuleta after just oh my God. coming in second in American Idol. Oh, this was back at this like 2008 or something like that, you know? Christian pop star. Yep. And, <laughs> um, and also, she went into treatment around the same time that I did. So I've followed her more personally than I have professionally. I don't even think I really follow. I don't think I follow her on Instagram because I didn't even see any of this stuff. Um, but I have a lot of respect for her and I have so a lot of understanding. So oh, and I. I can I hear nothing but that coming from you too, but I do think it's important to point out when people in any position of influence make mistakes and why that's a problem, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's okay to just say that you don't know it all yeah. or that you made a you made a mistake without having to qualify it, you know, with a but 
<laughs> exactly. I feel like yeah. she does do that sometimes. And yep. it's like, and she's, you know, she's so. on her journey. She's on her journey. Yeah. Hopefully this has been a good learning lesson for her. I hope. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. Uh, like he can mention at the beginning, don't forget to listen to our full length episode where we will be covering everything that you want to know about the Derek Chauvin trial. And if you want to learn more about George Floyd as a person, please check out that episode coming out on Monday where we will really be able to put our full attention onto that without having to cram it into a mini episode. If there's anything that you would like for us to talk about on the news episodes in the future, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page you can chat with the other listeners on the group page and rate and review us on the business page and if you love us and want to help us out we greatly appreciate it when you leave us a review and give us five stars on apple podcasts all right that's all we have for you today with all of that being said we encourage you to rage on bye Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.